0: Right. And as you guys know, feel free to like and subscribe on any of my social platforms. You guys' support means a lot to me. helps my platform to grow and this news to get out to the public. Um, but let's go ahead and start. So I'm going to begin inside of... And let me... I'm going to have to pull this up really quick. So let me pull up my Chrome account. Let's see here. Yep. I'm going to have to pull that up this way. And I'm gonna what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna jump into our charts really quick and do do an overview of how well our gold and S and P 500 analysis did. And for those who are listening, I'm gonna do the best job I can to show this in a way that uh, you can hear it uh, versus also see it. So just keep that in mind for our viewers. But if you're on and watching, this is the benefit of either watching this over the weekend or being here live on Friday, but let's go ahead and pull this up and I'll kind of show you guys what's going on. All right, so hopefully you guys can all see that. Uh, looks it like, looks like you can. Let me actually position this differently. Okay, there we go. So here's um, gold. And you can see last week, so I'm just going to count it back. Let's see, today was the 17th. So last week would have been the 10th. Oh, Where'd my chart go? And on the 10th, we're going to, I I leave these lines back so that it's easier to see. But on the 10th, this is what we were looking at. So this red candle right here is where we were. And here's what's happened, right? We had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and now Friday again. And we drew in the support and resistance levels. We had this channel, if you guys remember. I don't know why it didn't save my, my drawing, but we had this channel that was drawn in like this, going this way. And then we talked about the consolidation. We can actually delete this. But we talked about sideways movement into the next week. I don't know why it didn't save it this. And we said it was more likely to play in this area between 1973 and 1882 in terms of the price per ounce. So that's $1,800 and 82 cents and $1,900 and 73 cents. And we said, look, it's going to go sideways. It's likely to want to play in this area. If you're going to take a trade into this trend, obviously you're going to want to go short. But as soon as there's a breakout, you would take this into the upside like this. And just get this straight so you can see it into Monday. And if we had had a breakout, you would take it to the upside, stop losses out here, but you wouldn't put your take profit above this line until there was another break. And so we're going to do a gold review on like what I think is going to happen going into the future, but it's going to test 2000 again. We're basically back now that the price is at 1985, prices are back up. You guys have heard my bullish stance on uh, gold. And it's going to just keep playing with this 2,000 number. There's so many orders that sit right at like 2,000 between 2010. So for the price of gold to go above $2,000, $2,010, the probability is very, very uh, low. And if you look at even the options market, you'll see that in uh, the stacks, in, in the order forms. There is a lot of resistance pushing the price down at these 2,000 levels. And so this is a real easy trade to identify. We've clearly got upward momentum, a new uptrend over the last week. So you can see the seven days here. And we're in the middle of this channel just like we were two weeks ago. And so what's the play? Well, the play is really simple. We have sideways movement, probably Monday and Tuesday unless something crazy happens. Uh, If we get some really bad news about the economy, we might see this break 2000, but it would have to be really bad news. It's likely it's going to come up and then bounce back down, and it's going to consolidate between the 2000 price and 1973 price. In fact, I'm going to adjust this just a hair because of some recent price movement. Let's move this price down just a hair to 1970 instead of 75 so I'm really putting my price between these two points. So how do you trade this? Good scalping, lots of sideways moving. So you can scalp up and down when it gets closer to the 2000, you're selling. When it gets closer to 1970, you're buying. But we have this pressure that's going to keep pushing this up. And so you're really going to be watching for a breakout. And I'm just going to show you what this would look like. Ugh, I'm going to draw this again. We're going to draw it nice and long. There we go. And that way you can see it's going to be Monday, Tuesday. So maybe Wednesday we get the breakout. And so I'm going to draw two different circles here so you guys get this. And we can remember this for next week. But it's likely we're going to stay in this level. If I can grab it. And then we're going to have this happen likely after a downward. It's the likelihood of this short term trend carrying through 2000, not great. The likelihood of it hitting 2000, bouncing down, much greater. And so I would be keeping an eye on a breakout towards the downside. And then again, you're placing your stops above 2000 or below 1970. And I would imagine lots of price movement here unless things get really volatile and they start swinging outside, at which point I would be very skeptical of taking a buy trade above 2000, even if it breaks this 2000 or 2010 price. Why? Because we just haven't been there. Like it hasn't seen this price for months. And so I'd be a little skeptical around doing that. But if you do, just put a really tight stop loss on so you don't lose much because the potential breakout to the upside would go to about... Uh, 2049 and then next level is 2076 so anyways there's your gold Uh, we're gonna do S&P 500 review really quick let me save this so I don't lose it this time so there we go it's saved let me show you the S&P 500 chart that we did and man did we nail this with our our drawings you can see that we picked this out oh let's go back just happened See if I can bring that back. There we go. So here is that down channel we talked about. And this is for those of you who are listening, we've been in a short trend on the SP 500 for a, since, well, since August. And it was the beginning of August that this trend started. And the high of this trend, we just broke. 4 days ago. So not Monday, but Tuesday. And we talked about this if you guys remember, let's go to the 10th here. We talked about how the likelihood of this thing going down would be higher. Monday showed up and we just got tons of positive news and we got a breakout. And so when breakouts happen outside of these massive massive trends, we are in a new trend. And not only are we are in a new trend, But typically when they break, they break hard. And that's why you'll typically see a candle like this go through a level like the 1473 level is because of all this pressure that was mounting to break this kind of bearish trend going clear back into August. And so we'll do a a review on where I think this is going into next week. Um, But our levels held up really well. You can clearly see how the breakout happened right at our channel. And then this support Uh, This resistance is now support. We're going to have to draw some new, we're in a new bullish channel on the S&P 500. Although I think today and next week might change some of the sentiment. We might crawl back into this, but that's more fundamental. Uh, So I'm not going to focus too much on that today. All right, so let's get into the news part. There's a lot of fun stuff that I want to talk to you about. Um, The first is actually on the SBF uh, debacle, you could call it. And I don't know how... I don't know how to address this. I'm such a advocate of the crypto industry and we're really doing a lot of cleanup, uh, in the industry right now, meaning, you know, the tide, there's a lot of hype and the tide has come out. We can see people with their shorts down and we're, we're, we're getting to deal with that. We're getting to see maybe for the first time in a long time, these, uh, these bad actors. And FTX was one of the first. They're definitely not the last. In fact, we've had some indictments even here in the state of Utah, which I'm embarrassed about. And I even made it a point to distance myself from some of those individuals. But it's happening. And we'll see more of it probably clear into 2024. But that doesn't mean this is bad for the crypto industry. In fact, the old saying is you sell when everyone's buying, when people are even financing and lending to buy, which is the good old days when rates were really low. Remember that? And when do you buy? You buy when there's blood in the streets. And so in a way, the industry is experiencing that. It's feeling that. And Sam Bankman-Fried, as it says here in this New York Times article, could get a hundred years in prison. The verdict is already in. And so it was a month-long trial, four hours of deliberation, and the jury convicted FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried to seven counts of fraud and conspiracy last week. So he has been convicted. The verdict is in. And the maximum term that he could serve is 100 years. And this judge does not like him. So it's very likely he's going to get a lot of time. Now, that doesn't mean he'll serve that time because it's a white-collar crime. Uh, And, you know, there's lots of ways and things to get out of these things early. Uh, However, this is a pretty rough situation for sam and frankly well-deserved uh to be doing what he was doing should set a very strong precedent that this is not okay just because it was a new industry does not make this acceptable and frankly there were a lot of people that lost millions and millions and millions of dollars Uh, i even saw an article that talked about how this was the largest vc scandal of all time. More more VCs lost money than any other scandal in the history of this country. So I hope this serves as a lesson. I hate to say that he's kind of the poster child for it, but uh, unfortunately, and fortunately, because it's probably deserved, he is. So there's the Sam Bankman-Fried update. Uh, personally, I'm glad I didn't put any money into FTX. Uh, I heard rumors actually when that whole debacle was going on that they weren't even showing white papers properly. They weren't answering questions. It was really people buying in on hype, uh, where, you know, as an investor, guys, you really want to make sure you're doing your homework. And if people are just having you buy on the hype of something, that is a major red flag. If you can't sit down with someone, get your questions answered, do lots of due diligence, especially in early seed rounds. Uh, that's a pretty big red flag to stay out. And it was surprising to see how many companies and VCs, uh, yeah, family offices that went in on this just kind of rolling with the punches, right? And uh, there were a lot of endorsements that probably helped with that and helped people feel more comfortable. But frankly, I don't care who endorses something. This is a great example of like, you've got to do your homework. All right, so let's go into this copper squeeze. This is uh, one of... This is going to be a fun one because this is what I would call a one of my tips. So this is going to be one of my trade tips for the day. Uh, I don't do these very often, but when I do, I think it's worth noting uh, because I like to do my homework on things. And right now, copper has my eye. So this is a copper chart just to give you guys a sense of like, how is copper doing? Well, clear back in 2019, it was trading at about 2 dollars sixty seven cents a pound right now it's trading at three dollars and 70 cents a pound if you go to its high it almost hit five dollars a pound and that was during the peak of when we were going through the pandemic and we had all this m2 and people were just buying things like crazy and we had a lot of uh, influx in prices obviously inflation has tamed down a little bit we've seen some devaluation in copper however right now copper is positioned with a very strong level of demand and let me show you some of the things that I've been looking at. I wanna show you this. You guys should be able to see this. Um, so copper, one of the, the major use cases for copper that's creating this demand is the EV market. Uh, it's not also. It's not only the EV market, but it's also a common element found in most renewable energies. So whether it's solar or whether it's wind, we are using copper to wire everything and everything from batteries to motors. If it has something like that, it requires copper. And we are seeing an increase in demand based on all of these green energy initiatives, uh, all this new tech and, and spinning up computers. There's copper in every computer. There's copper and uh, all these connective devices. Anything Again, anything that where there's a motor, you're going to find copper. And because of that, uh, demand is up. And supply all year has been down. And we've been talking about supply shortages, supply shortages, supply shortages. And if you go back to the price since the beginning of the year, we have really not seen a large spike like we had way back through 2001 to 2000 and of 2002. And so, or I could say mid-2002 so january hit and it was like what's or july hit and then january this year hit and it was like what's going on so here's january we're at like four dollars and everyone's talking about supply issues needing higher demand and the price just kept coming down well the people position i mean you could just trade copper so if you wanted to pull up copper on chart you wanted to trade it on the futures market you could do that or you could get behind something that you're thinking, okay, copper is going to be an asset that we're going to need long-term, right? It's going to be something that we're going to need for these batteries. We're going to need for these EV cars. We're going to need for more renewable energy. And you have to ask yourself, is that going to go away? And in the next two years, three years, five years, is that something that we're going to need more of, or we're going to need less of? And my consensus and opinion is we're going to need more of it. And so that would drive up demand. And so... Who are the companies or areas that are most or best positioned to do well in a high-demand scenario for copper? Well, it's the mines. It's going to be companies that mine, drill, and extract copper out of the mountains. And we have Kennecott right here in Utah. Uh, Kennecott Copper Mine is one of the largest copper mines in the world, and it's one of the Uh, largest geographical ones that you can actually see from space. We've carved out so much of a mountain that you can actually see it from outer space. Like our mine here in Utah is enormous for copper. And there's other trace minerals that come out like uh, platinum, gold, silver. There's a lot of uh, magnesium, even uh, uranium or not uranium, uh, lithium. They're also finding uh, traces of lithium. But really, it's a copper mine. And Western uh, Star Resources right now is one of the stocks that I'm looking at that's positioning themselves to potentially have one of the most rich, dense areas for copper. And if they find out, I mean, this is a great time to get in on something early, but if they find out that their land in Vancouver has the deposits they need, they will start mining. And so right now we're in the exploratory phase of this. And so to go in and buy WSR, you're buy, You're speculating that these guys are going to go through this land that they already own, tons of land, by the way, and that they would go through and they're going to do a bunch of drilling and they're going to drill core spots everywhere. And if they get the c- content or the consistency of the copper in a certain area over a certain amount, they're going to start mining it. And the day that that announcement comes out, The WSR found copper and they start mining, this stock is positioned to be very bullish. And so I'm watching WSR really close. Uh, It's not a position that I'm currently in, but I'm watching it. I'm doing some research because even if you go to the stocks, I want you to see this. So if you go to anywhere that lists WSR, because this is a, a traded company and here's its price. It's at 13 cents right now uh open price was let's see it was in march 3rd 2003 so the the company uh went public or got listed march 3rd and was trading at about 16 cents it's at 13 cents right now it went all the way down to 10 cents in july and there's no news if you look at wsr in the news below there's nothing there's nothing that's talking about what wsr is doing i've I've gone through multiple sites to see if anyone's reporting on this news outside of these mining uh, sites, like these junior mining network sites, and no one's talking about this yet. And so I'm just tipping you off that there's some rumors and they're circulating in the industry. They're not circulating on the news yet. The WSR is positioning... Uh, pretty well to have some good news that would likely bring up the stock. Now, does this mean that they're going to get a lot of copper out and be a, a really strong mind? No, I'm not. You guys got to get, I'm not a trader like that. I'm not, I'm at least not with this stock. I'm not positioning myself. And I have another trade like this we're going to talk about with Bitcoin. But I'm not positioning myself to be a long-term holder. I'm not a believer of WSR. They, they have nothing to stand behind other than They're sitting on some land that they're potentially going to do some drilling and may get some copper out. I'm playing the sentiment. I'm playing the possibility and probability of what may happen. And it's likely that they're going to do some drilling. They're going to get some results, and that's going to create some news hype. And at some point, when you go to this WSR uh, on Google Finance or Yahoo or any of the others, just go through it, guys. You'll see for yourself. Look up Western Star Resources and see if you can find any news on what's happening. And I can't. So I got this insider tip. I did a bunch of research. And uh, there's the miners are talking about this. The industry is talking about it a little. But there are very few people that know that they're actually sitting on this land and they're conducting um, they're conducting drilling uh, within the next uh, few months. And so that's something I'm excited about. Uh, and it may take six months for it to come in and have that news, but I'm really playing the sentiment. I'm not playing the the core value of WSR because I, I really don't know these guys. We don't have good PE ratios. We don't have any returns yet. And so this is highly, highly speculative. So don't dump your life savings into something like this. But if you have some discretionary income, you want to make a trade, this might be something that you would look at. WSR is the ticker, guys. And this is uh a mine out of Vancouver, British Columbia. So there you go. There's uh my tip on copper. So copper's it's a fun one. I I love commodities, especially when we go into uh upward recessions. Like this is we're definitely in a recession right now, but it's not a marked recession. We're in a spiral or inflationary recession. Uh, And so typically commodities do really well when we start to see deflationary things occur. And we are seeing deflation. M2 has actually come off pretty significantly. Uh, We're not back into our old curve on M2. And so I don't see us lowering rates anytime soon. It'll probably be end of 2024 that I would guess unless we see some massive market crashes. But let's bring up this really quick. Here is uh, crude oil. So I told you we would talk about oil and how I feel about oil. And by the way, oil is not going away. Uh, For those of you who think like, oh, we should be getting out of oil stocks or I shouldn't be holding oil as a part of my portfolio uh, because green and renewable energy is taking over. No, no. You need to do if you believe that, if you truly believe that oil is going away anytime soon, you need to do some research on how much of renewable energy has actually taken a chunk out of oil. And you will be shocked at the percentage. With the billions of dollars that this country has used to incentivize solar and renewable energy, it is shocking the little amount of impact it's had on our overall oil usage. So you know i'm not an environmentalist and i probably offend some environmentalists by saying this but we are not doing a good job using renewable energies to get off of petrol we are dependent on petrol and we need to stop denying that and maybe we need to come up with better ways to use it But this is not something, this is not an energy source we are going to be able to get rid of, even in the next decade. If you believe that, you are living in an illusion. You're living in a fantasy world. All right. So here's what's going on with oil, though, because I would be cautious of oil right now because there's just some supply and demand factors. And as you head into a recession, as we go into stopping of raising rates, the likelihood of going into a recession and having a deflationary period after is really high. And so now that rates have paused, it's very likely we're going into deflation. And the feds are going to watch deflation happen before they start lowering rates. So as soon as we start to see a lot of deflation, which would look like a recession, then we'll start lowering rates to keep the economy afloat, to keep things balanced. But that's going to happen in all markets and oil happens to be one of them because we don't need we don't have the demand as industry shrinks and people stop spending people stop you know finishing things in their basement or buying homes they don't need or even luxury goods or goods that frankly they just stack up in their garages the factories have to slow down cuz they have less demand and guess what energy source they're using to make a lot of this stuff? Well, it's it's fossil fuels. Like we're just not getting off of this. And so when supply starts to stack up and all these massive containers, as you can see in this picture, start filling up, they want to get rid of it. And so they start lowering the price, price becomes more competitive, price drives down. So US crude oil prices fall 5% this week uh, because demand future demand is is being projected to be less. And you can see that December contracts fell uh, $3.76 or 4.9% to settle at $72 barrel. In fact, I have a chart that I want to show you guys uh, that I think brings this up. Let me go to... Let's bring this up over here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip over to our charts, and I just want to show you oil so you guys have an idea what's going on. And then I'll give you some tips on how you could trade this and how you could potentially take advantage of this uh, increase in supply, decrease in demand. All right, so here we are. We're back in the charts. Let me bring up... Uh, let's see. I'm going to do something new so I don't ruin our... Thing over here. Let me find oil really quick. Here we go. Here's oil. So here's the price of oil. And like it said, it's trading at about $75 a barrel. You can see that the climb. I mean, this is a one minute. What, what is going on here? Let's change this to a day. And I'm gonna bring this over to a day chart, and you can see how we've massively come off the price, which uh Short-term, you will start to see this at the gas pump. So if you've been a little frustrated about uh, gas prices, we've come off an all-time high from the pandemic of $120 a barrel. We are getting back into pre-pandemic barrel prices, guys. And as this drops, we should see and supplies increase over a longer period of time. I would project uh, your gas at the pump to start going down clear into probably April. And I wouldn't, I would be pretty bearish on this, not this, not oil by the barrel, but fuel prices at the gas pump because it's a little laggy. The prices at the pump lag behind the price of uh, the barrel. So you'll, if you're to look at like what you're paying each week for fuel and you're to compare it to the price of a barrel, it's pretty laggy. And so, We're clearly in a short trend. I typically don't do this. I don't do like oil analysis, but you can see that we are clearly in a short trend, probably going back almost to the beginning, the end of September, uh, definitely beginning of October. And I I would imagine that this trend is going to continue. Uh, Our floor is 65. So a $65 barrel is probably our floor that I wouldn't expect us to go below. But you could trade this anywhere, guys. You could trade this on the Forex market, the futures market. You can trade this in options. Or you could be shorting oil companies, Exxon, Chevron, uh, yeah, any any type of oil producer or someone that's going to provide oil to places at the pump. I would be positioning pretty strong to the bearish side uh, on oil right now. And that's probably going to continue clear until April. So lots of opportunities here. Um, obviously, you know, these are just my opinions. You guys have to do your own homework on all these things. Uh, that's why we have our disclosures, but this is, I'm watching this and I'm positioning myself, uh, to be pretty bearish at least until December. And then I'll check back in, kind of do another review, but oil, we have, uh, some pretty clear alerts. You could say going off that oil is going to be going bearish and that there's going to be some long-term moves that way. So. Let's bring this back. I know we're getting close to the end here and I'm just we're going to go into our S&P 500 review and then I'm going to wrap this up. Oh, no, we have to talk about Bitcoin. Dang it. Let's go back. So, this is going to be one of my fun um reviews. You guys are going to love this because when I can talk about something this way, it typically shows the lack of emotion and the the high uh, value or the high, how would I want to say this? There's a, I, I find a lot of value in seeing something where I can recognize I don't have a cognitive bias. There you go. That's probably the best way to say it. And what I'm saying, what I mean by that is we typically, a lot of people in Bitcoin, a lot of people in the cryptocurrency have an insanely strong cognitive bias. They're so heavily invested or they're holding so much, you know these whales are holding so much that they can't see the forest through the trees. they They don't really understand or n- they're blinded by their own strength. It would be another way, I would say it. And I f- have found a trade inside of Bitcoin that doesn't have that. You know, I love the crypto industry. I serve on a blockchain task force that we set up a few years ago here in the state of Utah. I get called in to sit on panels and do interviews all the time about cryptocurrency. Uh, and we're in that market, you know, I've done a lot in crypto, uh, and I've traded a lot in crypto and made a ton of money in crypto. I've got a, I've got a car with a doge vanity license plate because I paid for it literally just out of my doge trades. So, um, I love the industry and it's, it, it's so imperative to have your head screwed on straight. So let me break this down to you in steps. Bitcoin has an ETF coming, Right. We we know this. And the ETS has a 75% chance of approval this year, according to Bloomberg analysts. And if you don't know or understand this whole ETF market, you first, we have to back this up and we have to talk about also what does it mean? What does is, what is network effect? And for new asset classes, how does the network effect affect the price? Well, network effect is the amount of network pieces that come together that elevate uh, supply and demand. And as Bitcoin, let's just take Bitcoin as an example, as Bitcoin became more accessible to trade and started showing up on regular markets, like you, you know you could go to your broker now and buy and sell Bitcoin. You may not own the the keys, but you can buy and sell it. And because of that, it creates an increase in supply or an increase in demand. And the more networks that open up, you know, whether you can lend on it, that opens up a network. Whether you can buy it on, you know, your broker, like Robinhood, you know, Robinhood didn't always have Bitcoin, but th- once they added it, that opened a network. All the different networks cause what's called a network effect. And the more the larger the network effect, the more access to a higher market cap that happens. And opening an ETF allows like companies like BlackRock or Grayscale, who are managing billions of dollars for their clients who already have money with them, already have millions and millions of dollar accounts, you know, with BlackRock and Grayscale. It allows them now to take a piece of that and say, you know what? You know, I haven't been in Bitcoin before, I haven't been in crypto, but take one percent of my portfolio and put it into that and now because they don't have to like open a robinhood account or open these crazy you know especially after the ftx thing a lot of people pulled out of like these uh like binance and these cryptocurrency exchanges just out of fear right they they weren't sure like if this happened to ftx how many of these other companies are doing this so a lot of people pulled their money out but if a blackrock or a grayscale gets an etf on bitcoin how many people do you think are going to put you know maybe even just 1% of their total allocation into crypto and when that happens how much of the market cap will expand because of that network effect and then what happens when that expands is market cap increases when market cap increases what happens to price it goes up so what's currently happening in the crypto market and bitcoin price at at large right now is there's a lot of speculation that this ETF is going to get approved and when it does it's going to open up the floodgate like the gates going to open for this access for new cash to be in the in the bitcoin market now and when that happens if people start investing the natural thing is is you're going to see a a radical excuse me a radical bull run because market cap goes up because people start allocating more cash into it that's all this means and so analysts at bloomberg have positioned it at 75 percent before before the end of the year that someone's going to get an etf approval and grayscale might be it because grayscale got this victory against the sec where they actually got denied and then uh it got appealed and they're like no you have to actually review this again we don't think that was fair and so not only do they have this stack of like 12 plus etfs that they need to approve or deny they also have grayscales that they're being forced to re-review it and they can't deny it based on the same premise so that happened there was also i saw someone so there's a bunch of people like eric uh who's saying 95 he's saying i've got a 95 prediction i'll just show you this really quick that it will happen by the end of 2024 so we have people saying 75 this year 95 by end of 2024 guys I think we're going to get an ETF filing. And what that means for Bitcoin is more money, more access to the market. Let me show you this other piece really quick. And now I'm going to show you why I've got my my bias checked. And I'm going to show you a video really quick uh, around... And I actually completely agree with why is on this. But I'm going to show you this video uh, where a not-Bitcoin-enthusiast, is extremely bullish, believe it or not, on Bitcoin right now for the same reasons I'm explaining. He doesn't believe in Bitcoin. He doesn't believe it has an application in the consumer world or in the business world. But he, he understands how the markets work. He understands this network effect that we were talking about. He understands how sentiment shifts and how exposure to things like ETFs will affect the market price. And he's just going, based on that alone, I really believe that we've got something here. I really believe that there's a uh potential for gain. so let me get let me see if I can get this pulled up. Yep, here we go. perfect. So this is really quick. this is only a two minute clip, but this is gonna add a lot of context to what I'm talking about. Let me get the sound on here. and here we go. all right, let's talk here we go crypto. let's talk crude. We're talking crypto Weiss there's a bitcoin thirty seven K. you bought more. I did buy more, I bought more multiple times this week. Um, BlackRock came out and they're uh, trying to get an ETF into the market in Ethereum. Uh, I think you can see more and more of that. Let's go back to the case that was won by a, a company that is looking to and is launching an ETF. So again, I don't believe in the, in the business use case or the consumer use case for crypto completely think it's, it's non-existent you just riding the momentum here towards an ETF and that's it exactly I'm riding purely supply demand characteristics and that there's going to be there are enough true believers out there again I'm definitely not one of them on the other side that I continue to come into this mm-hmm. asset class because it is an class, asset class and drive it higher so that's why I'm there that rides are going to go on for a while so I would probably add to it again okay Josh you, you still own some Bitcoin and Ether yeah we have uh we have bitcoin we have eth and uh we got out of all the other old stuff like a long time ago i'm with steve this is just about what other people are going to do there's nothing fundamental going on here maybe someday but it's 15 years and counting and uh nothing yet so that's the story yeah jenny what about crude um it's really been stunning what's happened to crude prices and energy stocks and you, you- all right so there you go so just like i said now i've I've had this sentiment this there's no fundamental case for bitcoin I've I've argued with my friends about it I've 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 tried to understand it it and by the way I'd argue with any anyone I'd love to even have a debate around this it's too expensive to transact on no one's building anything on chain and frankly because of the cost to transact it's not it would make no sense to buy anything under 200 even and that price is probably going to go up as the price of bitcoin goes up so um i don't see the use case i don't see a fundamental case at least for like he said maybe 10 15 years but just from a technical standpoint supply and demand there is a strong case for bitcoin and i'm going to bring up that chart really quick to show you guys bitcoin really quick and where the price is And we'll do a quick technical analysis and then we'll do our S&P 500 one. So I'm giving lots of trading tips today, guys. Uh, That's what I like to do. This is what I'm good at anyways. And let me see if I can pull this up. Where's my Bitcoin at? And you guys will be able to see the price on here and kind of what it's done. But currently we are sitting. I mean, look at this chart. Uh, for my listeners, Bitcoin currently is trading at thirty-five, almost thirty-six thousand dollars a coin, and coming off its previous high, you can see we were way over sixty-five. It even came up close into like sixty-eight thousand dollars. So we are a little shy of half uh, its high, or what would be called the high high. We are creating what is now called a low high, unless this trend continues and creates a new high high. But here's what we're dealing with. Is right now, this is the price based on supply and demand, who's buying, who's selling, transacting. And what's what I've noticed is a lot of wallets are selling or getting out of these other coins in the crypto industry. Like uh, anything outside of Ethereum, anything outside of Bitcoin, people are kind of pulling out consolidating they're kind of saying hey we're going into a winter where we're probably not going to see any crazy jumps in other coins and they're moving it even from usdc from like uh a coin dollar that's pegged to the dollar people are moving even that now into bitcoin and a, a lot of the demand has to do with this etf that's going to be happening now let me talk about fundamentals there's a rule called uh you buy the rumors you sell the news well, it sure seems like what just happened was the news, right? So should I be buying based on this news? And I would say this this is still rumor. And here's how you have to know the difference between rumor and news. News will be the day that the ETF comes out. And yes, there will likely be a ton of bullish movement that happens the day that that gets announced to the public. There'll be a lot of laggers. There'll be a lot of marketeers, people. The people that will piggyback off that news and it will go viral and there'll be a lot of the public retail investors, uh, not institutional grade, that will start positioning in. Now, there'll also be some institutions that probably are going to be a little behind the eight ball that get in also. But when the news happens, you don't want to be buying then. If you're going to buy and hold, now is the time to do it. Put your stop losses in, buy it now, hold it up. And then after the news event happens, look for an exit. I know that sounds crazy, but here's, I'll give you an example. I was holding Doge uh, right before Elon Musk went on SNL. This is actually a perfect example of uh, buy the rumor, sell the news. And everyone thought if Elon Musk went on SNL and said Doge to the moon, that Doge would go through the moon, right? That it would have this massive boom. Well, a lot of investors used the news to exit out of their positions. And so there was all this buildup that Elon Musk would, There's all this rumor that he would. Then guess what? He did. And the price came down and down and down and down and never actually, if I recall right, never even went back to that price the day after that announcement the day after he went live and said that. And so that's the example of buy the rumor, sell the news. It's still rumor. Now, the projection is 75% to from some analysts before the end of the year. Uh, I've seen some people say 90% uh, by January 10th. So if you're interested, this is, this is the way to play it is you put in your trade, you put in your stops, you know, probably put a stop loss at like 33,000 or below. You see this major run up from 27 to 32. This is kind of the nomads land. So if you put a stop just below 33,000, that'd be a safe place to say, look, I'm willing to lose this much if it goes from this current price below 33. So put your stop loss below that and then just hold this and wait for that announcement. And the day That you hear the announcement of the ETF filing, you get to decide one of two things. I'm going to move my stop up and protect all my gains. If, you know, again, this is all speculative, it it could go down, guys. There could be some weird stuff that happens that causes this to go down, but it's like lock in those profits or look for an exit. There's nothing wrong with taking profit off the table and saying, you know, I, I made my gains. Don't get greedy on this. Don't get greedy on any of these trades or these ideas that I've given you. Take profits and take them off the table. But there's this old saying in trading also that you have to keep in mind, and that's cut your losses short, let your runners win. And so I am going to be an advocate, and I will probably be positioning in a trade where I lock in the profits, and then I reposition. I look at my technicals, like we've learned how to draw, and I'm going to go, okay, I'm blocking this profit, new technicals. I'm moving my stop order now up. So I lock those profits in, but I allow myself the ETF to actually happen. And so when the ETF gets approved versus the exposure, there's going to be a window there. And then there's going to be a lot of talk around when is Grayscale or, or BlackRock or whoever going to be able to open this up to their clients and how soon are they going to be able to start putting money in? And then the day that that door opens, you should sh- you should see a jump in the price because you're going to have a lot of new customers coming in and putting their money in. Now, Having said all this, I'm going to give you the opposite side as well. There's a lot of talk and a lot of rumor that there are Bitcoin holders and sellers that are going to be looking to get out when the ETF actually goes public. And so a lot of people are going to be using this as an exit strategy also. And so that exit supply may be greater than the ETF actual demand. And so if that happens, you've got to be really careful because like the day Elon Musk said, Doge to the moon, everyone thought, you know, this thing is going to go through the roof because yeah, Elon Musk's behind it and he said it on television. It's like, no, everyone who already owned Doge owned it. And it was time to sell. It was time to get out. And so people that had a ton of Doge were using that opportunity and that high volume to get out of their trades at a really high price instead of just massively uh having the market fall out from underneath them. So you have to kind of understand these market dynamics. Big players, big whales use good news to get out of their trades because they need the volume to be able to sell at that high price. Otherwise, they literally move the market down and they get less for their stuff. So big holders, whales, like to sell when there's lots of demand for a certain price because it keeps the price locked in at wherever they're doing. And sometimes they even scale out uh, as another strategy. Anyways, we're going into a lot of uh, in-depth trading strategies. I I like to try to keep this simple. Bitcoin, I'm bullish, waiting for the ETF filing to actually come out. That's the play. And when it does, that's the time you look to either exit or you move your stops up so that you lock in profits. So there is my Bitcoin analysis. Let's see if there's anything else I want to talk about. Uh, there was one more. I, I talked about the ninety percent. I don't need to show you guys that. So let's let's wrap this up. I know I've only got a couple minutes left. I want to go to the S and P five hundred and give you guys a sense of like where are we going next week? Uh, Thanksgiving. Let me let me tell you about Thanksgiving and Black Friday. There's going to be a lot of data that comes out for Friday around spending, and I love trading. By the way, Friday, Friday. The, the day after Thanksgiving is one of my favorite days to trade because the market goes pretty quiet, but you start to get a lot of news around like how much are people buying? Is this as good as last year or are consumers showing a lot of pullback? And based on the news and the actual data, you will see the S&P 500 contract or, or uh, project into the like bear bullish, right? It's going to happen. And a lot of it comes from the news. From Friday. So Black Friday is a day I love to watch and I love to trade. And since we're going into next week, let's kind of give you an idea of where are our levels, Matt. If I was going to be making trades, uh buy or sell, like which direction? You know, what what would I be listening for? How would I get positioned? Because Friday is a fun day, and Monday usually wakes up with a gap. So the weekend will happen, and then Monday there will be a gap because there'll be a ton of people positioned based on Friday's data. Because Friday happens, the weekend comes in, right? And there's nothing we can do about trading over the weekend. All right, so uh, let's get into this. We've got a clear uptrend. We've got to draw, redraw this based on... Yeah, we're going to have to delete that. But if you can go back clear, I'm drawing a uptrend clear back from October. And you can see that this is our new trend. Our bullish trend going up, you can clear it's. You can see it's clearly positioned position to get us into this forty six hundred range, but right now we are right between four thousand four hundred seventy three, four thousand six hundred and three. So there's a pretty big gap here. What is that? A hundred, about a hundred and thirty, uh, hundred and thirty dollars between the two price points. So. There's a good amount of room here. Here's what I would first say about this. And once you guys get these levels drawn in, it's very easy to kind of go like, well, what's going to happen to the price? Well, Monday, it's pretty likely the price is going to go sideways, sideways and up. As we get closer into this bottom trend line, it's going to push the pressure up. And so we're going to see kind of the price go into this direction. And then we're going to see, whoop, don't do that, 73 we go you're going to see also this pressure start to build i'm going to draw a really small circle here as we get up into this region and the reason for that is this channel is going to continue going up and so as this happens there's a high likelihood of a breakout to the downside where we will actually come oops we'll actually come out of this channel i find some better ways to illustrate this for you guys. But that's going to happen right about here. And I'm going to redraw this so that it goes way into the future for you guys. And we can see it really well for next week. So I'm going to draw this way out. There we go. I like that. There we go. I'll save this. So you guys can see it for next week. There you go. And so that's where the price is likely going to go into next week. A breakout above 4,600 is going to depend on a lot of fundamental news. So could it break 46? Yes, it could. But I'll, I'll draw a really small oval to kind of show that the probability to me is very small. Whoops. The probability of us breaking above 646, I would say, is very small. And so I'm gonna draw that in there so it illustrates it that way. It's likely to be slightly upward, sideways momentum into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then we could see a breakout during any of those days out of this channel, uh, but it's more likely to happen Wednesday, it's so more even more likely to happen Thursday, and even more likely to happen on Friday. And so I would look for some down movement. Unfortunately, because we don't have like these big gaps and this isn't a big spread on our support and resistance, uh, this isn't going to be like a major run that you're going to go out and grab. Uh, But there are some potential trades to grab here. So see where the price comes in Monday. You might have some upward momentum where you could keep riding this trend up, but just be really cautious of this $4,600 level uh, because the $4,600 level is going to be, it's going to be problematic. It's going to want to put pressure down. If it breaks 4,600, it's not going to be like this crazy run unless the fundamental news is insane. Unless we hear some news of like Christmas spending was twice as much as last year and we're out of the recession, America is great. Like, unless you hear that news this week, I would not expect a major breakout above 4,600. Now, what I would guess is going to happen is you're going to hear the news not talk well about Christmas, but not talk negative about it. And that's negative. If if they're not hyping up Christmas, if the news isn't talking about how amazing Christmas has been this year, that's negative news. Because the last few years, as consumer spending went up, up, and up, the news grabbed that and ran with it. like They just like uh, used it to really project this upward momentum into the market. They won't do that on the negative side. They don't want to cause a market crash Uh, It's just kind of what the news does until the trend is really solid. The news doesn't like to talk about the markets in a negative way. And so no news is bad news, not good news uh, coming into next week, especially when it comes to how are the holidays performing? How is black Friday doing? If you hearing kind of crickets, that's actually bad news. And I would be projecting a lot of bearish fundamental pressure. All right, guys, well that wraps up our segment today. Thanks so much for being on here. It's, this is one of my most favorite things to do uh, through the week is to go through like all my findings, all my trades, things that I'm getting interested in investing in and, and really giving an audience kind of a a, a window into my mind uh, in terms of how I do my my own personal investing. So thanks for being on here. Uh, we'll see you guys same time, same place next week. And this week I've got that Bitcoin video. If you're interested in doing like a deep dive and like, again, that the, my whole breakdown on why Bitcoin, why it's not fundamental, why it's a technical play. Uh, I've actually I've got a video coming out on YouTube and my social platforms that'll go over all of that, that's going to be about eight minutes long. And so, if you're wanting to do some more research, look for that on my social profile. It's Market Pulse with Matt uh, on YouTube, and you can catch me there. And then, guys, stay safe trading. Obviously, do your own homework. None of this is financial advice. Uh, you know, seek a licensed professional, so on and so forth. But hopefully you found this informative and I pointed you in the right direction. And uh, yeah, stay safe, guys, because the market's going to be volatile. We're heading into a lot of unknown territory. And uh, if something that you guys heard today helps, that's enough for me. So I will see you guys next week. Thanks so much.